Hi, I'm JFK, otherwise known as Dave Rad, Ultimate Selector. Hi, I'm the Invisible Man. And you're listening to Witch Police Radio. JFK, yep. AKA Dave Rad, right. AKA Metro Rotonto. Right. Give me more. Uh, <laughs> Shaver. Okay. That was my childhood nickname. Selector something. something. Oh, Ultimate Selector. 
as well. And then over here we have Aaron, the Invisible Nun. That's right. How are you doing? And you've been on the show before, so people might have... Uh, yeah, and uh, apparently I did well enough to be asked back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're not, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? But uh, yeah, so I mean, this is a little different from the usual format. Um, I just figured, you know, it's a band that was around. I mean, is it still a band? Is it still an ongoing thing? Or I mean, I haven't seen a show in a few no, years. No, not really. Um, but, you know, I think we have to get together for another show coming up in May. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes, so who knows what, what that'll spark. But as of the last few years, there's been no band business. Okay. Well, I mean, anyway, it's, for however long it was an active band, I mean, it was quite a long time. I saw you guys... I don't know how I can count how many times, but uh, so I mean I think there's a lot of interesting background uh, that I would I would like to find out about as a sure. every band. I mean sure. I was trying to think about it on the way here, and I think the first time I may have seen you play would have been '97-ish maybe. I think uh-huh. it was at Cafe Zanzi. I don't know if you remember that. Place. Yeah, you mean on Portage? On Portage across the University. Oh yes, yeah, that was oh the first. Oh my god! Yeah. So I, that place hasn't been there for. For a long time, but no. I, I was trying to think back. I think that's the first time, and you—you you weren't there yet. You weren't. Uh, no, I didn't get here till '99. but yeah. I think I did play one show at Zanzi's, but that was probably right near the end yeah. of Zanzi era, even. Well, there was really good shows at Zanzi's, but then there was kind of bunk shows at yeah, Zanzi's. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> depends. <laughs> like, how far into the band were you at that point? Because that was—I mean, um, I was too young to have seen you before that. But well, okay, the the. Probably five or six years by that point, I okay. think. I, I should actually try and I should have actually take note of the date that I actually formed the band, but I never really uh, think about things like that. Yeah. But but nevertheless, um, I had the band together, and then I some of the musicians weren't working out, so I didn't really know how to deal with that so yeah. I'm just like oh I'm not into music anymore and then I just quit yeah then then a year later I'd get some different musicians and try it again so uh, then when things didn't work out it's like okay I can't take keep taking years off yeah so I finally had to just say oh look you know I don't want to use this person but I want to use this person it's kind of hard to deal with do do but anyways so I think by that point that was the second, you second know, lineup or whatever. Or yeah, second lineup okay. already moving into. Yeah, that was about the second lineup. And then the album, first album, came out around that time, right? Ninety-eight yes. or so. Yeah.
wrong have I done you? Tell me, baby, what wrong have I done you? Tell me, baby, what wrong have I done you? Well, every day you fuss and fight and then you call me the fool. Tell me, baby, what wrong have I done you? Well, okay, um, years ago, well, when it all started, my mom, she knew this person, and he was put on some kind of performance art at okay. the plug-in gallery when the plug-in gallery first opened up, and I, was, I wasn't in a band yet, I didn't even play instruments yet, but I was cueing these tapes, and, you know, one song came on, and I'm like, wow. This I never heard anything like this before, and then the guy told me what record it came from, and and his whole selection that night wasn't on that theme, nor was it all that kind of music. Yeah. Just one track that hit me, and I never really even had any interest that much in music, yeah, um, at all before that. But anyways, uh, I heard the song like, wow, like this is pretty good. So I bought the record. Do you remember what it was? It was like the the. Harder They Come, like oh, yeah, from yeah, the movie, yeah, right? Yeah, the soundtrack, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I started, I seen kind of what artists I like, and I kind of just started looking from there. Like, it's not like I liked everything on that album yeah. necessarily, but that one song was on, was on it. It was Draw Your Breaks. Yeah, Scotty, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. the song I like. So yeah. I kind of started trying to find music like that through leads off of that record. Yeah. And... As I was doing this, I'm like, oh, this is Jamaican music. Oh, I didn't, like, I had no clue what it was. Well, this is obviously pre-internet and all that, too. Exactly. Right? So you can't just search for the song. Yeah, so, but to me, I could vibe with it so easy, and when I learned to play to it, yeah. it seemed to be so, you know, fairly simple and easy. But anyways, uh, then what happened is that I, ha I first had a... a a goal to really just play the bass yeah. in a reggae, with reggae bands or whatever. So I did that with one group and together with these uh, lots of Jamaican guys who were just moved up here. We were all like 18 years old. Oh, yeah. 
Um, we were... Oh, actually, it's a really long story. I don't know. <laughs> First of all, these guys from Fort Richmond... Not Fort Richmond. These guys from River Heights uh, had mer- heard me play along to records because okay. they all listened to reggae as well, right? Yeah. And uh, they thought I could do a pretty good job. So they met this Rasta guy way back when, and they wanted to form a band. Yeah. And so they asked if I'd come to play the bass. So I came to play the bass, and this Jamaican guy was there, and there's a few other people there, and he was telling, you know, he's trying to run a practice. Yeah. But then he started, like, getting mad at somebody, and what he was saying to the guy didn't make any sense and he was totally off the mark like he wasn't really musically gifted right, or right. talented at all but because he is like a Rasta and I think these guys are all mystified thinking wow this guy that you make you're all listening to him just because of you <laughs> yeah so so anyways and back then like nowadays maybe people would think oh who would do that but back then there was kind of a mystique with yeah the black music just coming to the forefront and everything so uh Finally, he's trying to get us to side with him, and then I finally go, look, that doesn't even make any sense, and you're wrong about that. And then he just flips out. <laughs> These guys ask me, how could you say that to this guy? I'm like, well, he's wrong. But anyways, this other Jamaican guy was there who they hired to play the guitar, and he's like, oh, I like your style. Like, yeah. Let's form something without this joker. I'm like, yeah, sure. So we just kind of jammed, and then some cousins of his started coming around, and every, all of us were just starting to play, like learn how to play their instruments. So th- th- we weren't really getting anywhere either. Like we were just jamming and going nowhere. For Like there was a good groove going on. The guy who was playing the drums had a good pocket and so did I on the bass. So we were having fun and everything, but um, weren't really going anywhere. Then these ladies asked us to play at the Royal Albert on an afternoon, let's have a jam, like, it's going to be reggae jam afternoon, so oh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay, so next thing you know, we actually have to learn one set at least to start the jam yeah, off, yeah. and we hadn't even, we could play two chords, but not any anything with a bridge, or not anything <laughs> with anything, so, and, and all these other guys were, I don't know, they didn't express what they wanted to do, they're good singers, right? Yeah. So I kind of guessed their styles and I said well what if we do this song and they're like oh okay yeah, let's do this song so a guy the guy playing the drums Clive he was a great singer but no one could know the chords or anything so I used to learn them on the record yeah to take them to this practice and I used to hold guys fingers and go oh go there oh, yeah, go yeah, there yeah, yeah. Yeah. then we so from there we had this reggae band but then they didn't really challenge themselves and they didn't really try to sound that accurate so I kind of moved on yeah then I had this other reggae band called Cornerstone and my goal was like to have a reggae band that then different singers could sing or whatever oh just like to back everyone up whoever needed mm-hmm. yeah. but then the problem there was that there wasn't enough consistently on point singers or MCs right where you could rely on them so it's like oh okay I'm going to have to sing. But back then it was so weird for me to sing as a white guy yeah. in the Jamaican bands or at least dealing with that music, especially when I seen other white bands really embarrass themselves and yeah, just yeah. suck, suck yeah. you know. It's still that. It's still happening. Yeah. Time, yeah. So what I did was I started playing ska 
and singing ska because at least I could get the black soul feel, but it was more uh, accepted. Yeah, because well, there's already a lot of white bands doing ska. Exactly. And then once I did ska for a while and we became established, I pumped back up the reggae yeah. into it later on yeah. when people could realize that, oh yeah, these guys sound all right. Yeah. So do you, I mean, when you're doing, when you went back to the reggae sort of stuff, I mean, one thing that I, I've always kind of liked about what you did with it is there's so many people out there, I mean, there's tons of them now, white guys doing that, and a lot of them just, like, it's cringe, you cringe when you listen to it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's but you always kind of sounded like a guy from Winnipeg doing that. Yes. So, like, was that, that was it on purpose, or was that just how you well, sound? Well, um, I, there's times when I actually do the jaw fake in it thing where, yeah. where yeah. I'll make my voice sound that way, yeah. but it might be for a course and then I'll start talking in my, in this voice, in this yeah. voice yeah. on stage and doing the rest of my rap that yeah. way. I'll have a rap that's kind of sounds like that, but I, but it did take a while to develop how to sound decent on the mic without sounding like someone who you're not. Yeah, but sure. if you totally just use your plain voice as well, at first it's kind of doesn't sound that good either. So you kind of have yeah, to develop yeah. uh, the way you phrase things and stuff. For sure. Carefully, I guess. Does that, like, is doing that kind of come across as more authentic to actual Jamaican people? Oh, well, <laughs> you know actually, I mean? like, actually, the Jamaicans didn't even care if I was Jeff Aiken. In fact, that's where I got my confidence to know that I could do it is yeah. because the Jamaicans were like, wow, this you can... They liked me better than a lot of the Jamaicans that were playing yeah, music yeah. around here. So they the one that community really gave me the the push and encouragement to do that. So they actually didn't care about that, but well, maybe they would. But um, uh, over the years, I noticed that the people that were white who were trying to be black got yeah. more hassle or got more troubles with people, yeah. black people, than I would say, whereas I never really, I mean, it's been great for me. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's part of, like, part of it is the image thing, too? When you're not walking around with, you know, like, waistline dreads and wearing red, gold, and green all the time and stuff, like, is that... Yeah, you shouldn't be a phony. Like, you yeah. should be yeah. who you are, yeah. definitely. Like, you're, I'm, I'm not, I only went to Jamaica once, oh, yeah. And that was after I played reggae for a few years. Yeah, yeah. And the reason that I even played reggae was not because I wanted to be like this, these dreads or anything, but it's because when I heard it, I didn't even know what the image was. Yeah. And when I played along to it on a record, to me it, it was very easy, and I just have that feel in my blood. So. Yeah. This one's called The Rizla Skank Featuring the Iron Man JFK alongside the conspirators Massive Well alright, how you doing JFK? How you doing Delta Force? I said we come from Manitoba We drive down the Trans-Canada We roll it up in a Rizla We roll it up in a Rizla Pass me a light while I load up the pipe It's under your backseat and 
that I said not loaded up tight Pop two folks and give it to the right guy Songs called the Rizla Skank as we're driving down the Trans-Canada To the wee hours of the morning And when I'm feeling blue, I said I have a little hoot Said I talk about the Rizla That's a cigarette paper I said I smoke it in the Delta The Chateau Laurier in Ottawa Then I mash it in a Kingston Mash it up in a London I used to live on Mount Royal By St. Urbain and the Rachel I look up the phone to deliver Then comes a bike courier With a big bag of ganja But I don't have no Rizla And I don't got no Rizla Pass me a light while I load up the pipe It's under your back seat and over to your right And when you're done with that I said I'll load it up tight Have two tokens and give it to the right Song's called the Rizla Skank as we're driving down the Trans-Canada to the wee hours of the morning. Take it away, Rusty. Fantastic! I was always a, a ska fan from um, the early the high school um, when things like uh, the Clash and the English Beat and yeah. the Selector were all sort of hot at the time. Uh, sort of got me right into that sort of vibe. And then uh, I must have seen JFK in Banff where I was living at the time in probably '97. I would say yeah, I think because I was here by '99. Yeah. Uh, so I'd known you for a couple years at that point just by. Uh, uh, going to see the band every time they came through town. Uh, JFK used to do a good what four or five night stints at the Barbary. Yeah, right? that was that day. would be awesome. Yeah, like what, what five a days in a row or six days in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah sort of unheard of ever since, but um, but it was fantastic for me at the time because I would jump out of work every night and rush down to go see them all, and I would probably see three out of five shows at least. Yeah. Uh, so I always dug the vibe, and then um, 
um, had the pleasure of joining the band in uh, what, about 90, I think I was here in February 99 uh, where uh, uh, Dave and, uh, and his crew uh, asked me to join I guess the trombone player was quitting after one tour and then, uh, and then I got asked to move here and yeah, I jumped on a bus and put my trombone in a backpack and started all over it's a pretty big leap to do like how old were you yeah 62 <laughs> 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 uh jeez I don't know uh, I guess I was I must have been uh, 32 maybe oh yeah well it's a bit it's a well established enough my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. hair was already falling out yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. But uh, yeah, it was, like I think I think uh, going thinking about what uh, maybe the first track I fell in love was with was uh, you were leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, uh, that uh, that stuck with me so much that uh, uh, yeah, it uh, drove me all the way to the peg. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess you were was he one of the longest serving members of the band or because you were, I mean uh, yeah, I remember you being there for well probably at that time. Or even up till now, probably the only okay the bass player, except right. that he eventually started playing with other people and didn't really have much time for the band anymore. Um, he would have been the longest running member right. as well as myself. But when Aaron came, I did have two other long okay. members that that left before uh, the bass player. Which would make Aaron a longer running player yeah, than those yeah. two, but not necessarily longer running than the bass player that about even right, right, that right. way. Okay, okay. Well, between me and I guess me and Tom anyway. Uh, Tom, oh yeah, I forgot Tom was right in there. Right, well, he wasn't right in there from the beginning though, because we had Vic Arias on the trumpet. Yeah, but he was definitely before me. Yeah. Yeah. So, as far as the, cause, like, is anyone from the first record aside from you? In the band at the most last time you played a show, I mean everyone was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, like we've had uh, Greg Crow on the show before. We actually had the Planet Slashers on stage too. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about kind of some records and how all these bands across Canada got hooked up. But how did that work out for you guys? I mean that that's kind of how I think. I mean for me anyway, that's how I heard of you. Oh well, like, how did how did the album get? Well, um, it's total coincidence for me. Okay. And the conspirators because. Years ago, there was uh, uh, some people I know, their friend was having a birthday and they wanted to have a birthday party. Okay. So they got together and they used to like the, I guess it's the, you know, the second wave of Scott. What's the specials? The second, second wave? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they were, that had been long gone yeah. by then, but that was their heyday. So they thought, let's get together and learn some ska numbers, right? The covers from that time so they asked they, someone knew of me and said uh, oh can you play this or that I'm like yeah okay so anyways it was supposed to just be a one time show yeah but the party was so infamous not necessarily because of the band per se but but it was going to be a big party yeah in a warehouse and so but that made the band infamous um then that band kind of went separate ways. I mean, it was a one-off, but because it made the band so infamous, we actually played for a couple of years after that. But then people started going their own way. And 
about the end of that is when all of a sudden we start hearing of like the mighty boss tone. Yeah, so yeah. Then we start hearing there's this third wave, but we had no clue about. Well, that was right at the beginning of it, I guess, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So we had really we we weren't. This was just a coincidence. We didn't know ska was going to be popular at all. Yeah, yeah. So, but when that band went their own way, I had already started writing songs for them. So I thought, okay, well. Put my own band together, yeah. And someone phoned me and said, "Oh, uh, a club like actually the Pyramid phoned me and said some guy from Montreal just phoned me and said he's looking for people that play Scott to make a record, right? Like a compilation just an record, Canadian club, I guess. Yeah. So I said, "Oh, okay." So uh, I said, "Yeah, they can contact me." If so, and then they're like, oh, I hear you have a band. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, can you br- send us a song? I said, okay. And uh, we coincidentally were, when we, like, we like as you were saying earlier, we used to play quite often. Yeah, yeah. So we would play like two or three times, sometimes four times a month for years here. But I'd put money away, like I'd pay the band, but I'd keep a little bit. So it's like, oh, okay. So we had enough money to go to the studio instantly. It's not like, oh, where are we going to get this money from? It's like, oh, they need a song? Okay. Well, it cost us like five or six hundred bucks, but we had that. Yeah. And uh, sent them a song. And we we didn't know that that record was going to do well. We didn't know Stomp was going to do well. Yeah, I didn't even know who they were. Yeah, like, yeah. And uh, then they said, so that's how I got linked up with those other people. Did you hear that out where you were? The, the, yeah, I was, yeah oh, actually, yeah, I owned an All Canadian one before I had, uh, had yeah. owned uh, uh, anything else for that out there. Yeah, yeah, it's a, been a long standing uh, CD in my yeah, collection yeah, I go that for, too, for yeah, years. Good, yeah. It's probably battered up all the hell right now. <laughs> 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 so, how did that go from the one song to actually making the record then? Well, um, they, that song did so well on that record yeah. that they wanted to, um, okay, they had two bands from Montreal that they worked with they were going to send on tour to promote the All Canadian. Yeah. So as far as the other bands in Canada, they asked if we would promote okay. that record with these two other bands. And I said, sure. And they said, do you want to do an album with us? Uh, would that would be, you know, something you'd probably want to do considering yeah. you're going to be traveling around the country some now. Of the and some of the sell, yeah. yeah. Turns out they didn't have the CD ready for us to to sell until like maybe five shows left, but well, that was okay. Um. Anyways, uh, that that's how we got to do an LP. Like, well, they just asked us if we would. Who was on that tour? Was that the Kingpins and the? Uh no, that was the gangster politics oh, yeah. and um, the undercovers. Oh, yeah. We were no, called we the, the underpanties. Under <laughs> <laughs> did that uh, did that album actually do well for you guys? I mean, I remember because I was you know I was a teenager when that came out. I guess and I was really into ska, and it seemed like a big record to me and my friends. And we were we had our own little ska bands and stuff. But I mean, when you toured and stuff, was it I mean pretty well received? Did you get a lot of people? No actually were? I was totally surprised that everyone knew who we were like that that tour um, we we, were, we headlined the tour yeah and except for in Ontario because gangster politics said that they actually gangster politics wanted to headline the whole thing but Stomp said no JFK is gonna headline 
but they can but gangster politics can convince convince stop to at least headline in Ontario okay. because that's their place or whatever. Or no, well they're from Quebec, but they figure they're bigger. They're known enough, yeah, they're, yeah. So um, anyways, when we went uh, on that tour I'd say about eighty percent of the shows were lined up out the door. It was and it oh, was really? the first tour. That was just totally cool. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> was, was I couldn't believe it. So, and everyone knew, like when we play when we play the boom shot a lot. Yeah, yeah. Just people just I mean so, yeah. That really got us well known in Canada. <laughs>
drums? Like, were you already playing drums at this point? Um, I was already. By the time we went on tour, uh, I was playing drums. Um, the first... Well, actually, at the start of the second manifestation of the band, the first manifestation of the band, I had a drummer. Okay. Second manifestation, I had a drummer. I mean, the first manifestation, the drummer was probably was one of the one of the guys that didn't work out. The second manifestation of the group, the drummer, he just didn't have the feel. He sounded too punk rock and to oh, yeah. rock like yeah. he couldn't I don't mind that but he couldn't do anything else so he, the way he'd play the ska he was pretty good like but the way he just couldn't feel certain things that I wanted to do he was good on some things but there's certain thing feels I wanted to use that he just couldn't grasp and okay. uh, so we tried out different drummers and most of the drummers, and it, you know, a lot of people would suggest it was just me, like people who weren't in the band. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's just you, because we tried out so many drummers. But Aaron will attest, that ever since he's been in the band, we, a lot of there's a few of us who have a good, real good feel for the pocket. Yeah. And if a drummer's drumming and and it feels like it's laboring, yeah. it just can't that can't do. Yeah, I mean, sucks the life out of it. I guess. Totally, yeah. totally. So I just had a hard time in Winnipeg finding someone that really had a natural feel for ska and reggae and so that's when I decided to drum and when I said to the people in the band at the time I said look they're afraid because they would I wouldn't be a front man yeah I'm like well I want to be the front man but you know music is really about it is is sound I mean of course it's a show but music first and foremost is sound yeah. so I think that's more important because that was, that was unusual to see. I mean, yeah. singing behind that drum set. Like. I did it out of necessity. I wish I, I wish I could have had a drummer that felt that way. To me. When I had my second... When I had this band called Cornerstone, yeah. I had a drummer that was bang on, but he moved to Toronto, okay. and I never really could find anyone with his feel. He had he could feel like I did. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, that's... And I've tried to, I've always tried to go up front, but out of yeah. necessity, I stand the kid. Well, I guess it, like, added to the, the people interesting to people, right? Like, oh, there's a band with a guy playing drums and singing. That's kind of neat, but for me, I really like the accolades and the, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, being out front with the people and the yeah. sweaty girls and yeah, yeah, just yeah. the... When your name's in the, you know, headlining on the show, the name of the band, right? So Yeah, yeah. well... It's quite, it's quite hilarious if yeah. I ever do get a chance to be up front. Uh, well, it, well should, you did eventually, right? I mean, well, yeah. yeah. The thing is, is that I had had a few experiences where um, I went up front, but the drummer just wasn't cutting it. And it was just like, whatever. Oh, you guys, you guys sound good. But they could say that to me. But, you know, I could tell it wasn't total captivation. Yeah. But when I've had the drums properly and I'm up front, it's just like a big love affair and people are just losing themselves yeah. they're trying to grab me and uh, everything like it's just and this is without this is sometimes when the people don't even know who we are For sure yeah, yeah so the power of the music if it's played right can really make people uh lose themselves yeah and uh well definitely as a, as a you know a member of the crowd there's definitely a difference from that 
you playing drums to you on stage is a different vibe the whole band. Mm. I mean, I know it was kind of a different style you were doing at that point anyway, but yeah. I mean, yeah, just the the, uh, the appearance of it is it makes a difference. But yeah. I mean, when that first record came out, you guys were fairly different too, because not everybody, but a lot of other bands at that time were doing the punk with horns thing, basically, you know, or that yeah. was going into that yeah. that mode. Like, what did you guys, I mean, you know, what did you guys think of that stuff? It's terrible to say, but getting too old for, yeah. uh, for punk at that point. No, I've been listening to real punk for so many years. Yeah. And then... Uh, um, and then I just got so influenced into the into the traditional ska, uh, uh, old school stuff, and, and into the second wave that uh, I just kind of felt it was all yeah, it all sounded exactly the same, especially the soul cattle stuff. Jesus. Oh yeah, 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 I can't believe anybody could still get away with playing that I these know. days. Yeah. Like, it's just awful to me. Uh, but it's uh, I, I think I just I had seriously outgrown that sort of uh, faster, angrier uh, kind of um, kind of style and. Uh, and I just fell back to, uh, and especially after joining JFK, coming yeah. there and being influenced so much in the into the uh, uh, the traditional ska that uh, I just I just uh, I, I immense uh, immersed myself into uh, into that when I first came here to join the band, yeah. just to try and learn as much as I could, and then, and then I just got stuck in that even even farther, yeah, yeah, farther and farther away from the third wave, I guess, yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. I, yeah, the the older I get, the less and less angry I get. Less and less angry yeah. I have in me. Yeah. I think it's interesting you say it's an age thing because like I'm a bit younger than you guys, and I was you know when you were putting out that first album, so I was a teenager, and I had a ska band that was basically you know very aggressive and yelled Grandpa's Army. Like we were played some shows with you guys poorly, but <laughs> like yeah, and then and now I mean I. At the time, I loved all that stuff, even some of that SoCal stuff that is. But now I can't. I can't. Grandpa's Army was kind of trod, wasn't they? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we were, but it was mostly because we couldn't play very well. It was like, hey, let's just do something really fast and yelly and whatever. But yeah, we had some trad stuff. But like now, you know, however, however many years it is since we did that, all the stuff I listen to is the trad stuff. Like I don't listen to any yeah, punk yeah. stuff anymore, aside from like one or two bands that stuck with me. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, I, I find it very strange to see bands like Red Big Fish and stuff are still around and still have fans because it seems so stuck in the time and place. I see what you mean, yeah. Like, I just yeah. associate that with the 90, late 90s, you know, it just seems yeah. weird that it's still... It is dated, right? Well, yeah, but it, it feels it, dated it does to me, yeah, but I guess the, the kids who are 14 mm. now, I guess it's, I don't know, 15 or whatever. That's true. It's not... But anyway, yeah, that's uh, kind of an aside, I guess, but... Uh, is, that, is that another uh, reason for... I mean, not liking it, I guess, is that, that it does date itself so fast that uh, some, like, yeah, like, maybe. Uh, like, like the second wave, first wave stuff, I could listen to. It doesn't sound, no, it doesn't sound dated. For the next 40 yeah. years. Yeah. But uh, that shit, I can't. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was in and out of my ears. Well, that's the thing, like, the second wave was a fusion of some sort, yeah. but it still had the feel. And it's still good. Exactly, so yeah. it's international. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, I guess it's like, I don't know. You, you can have fusion, but you should still have a good. Uh, I mean, if you're just doing things for fun, that's that's one thing. People can just get together and have fun. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to get somewhere or you're trying to <laughs> be, be good at something, I guess, you know, you'd, you'd want to, even if you're doing a fusion kind of thing, you'd still want to have the feel of the sound of it. Yeah. Because that's where that's how you'll really get that influence in there. Yeah, for sure. So after it seemed like there was a, well, there was a huge gap between the two 
records. I mean, I know you. Yeah. You, like what? What? What happened there? You, you've done oh, the kingpins at one point. Oh, right? okay, okay. So I know there's probably a bunch of stuff that happened in there, but as far as you know, as a listener, I remember getting the first album, seeing it a bunch of shows, and all of a sudden there was nothing. Oh. And all of a sudden you come back and you're in the kingpins. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I I mean, well, okay, so. Uh, after that tour I told you about, yeah. um, I I thought this is awesome. This is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I talked to Courage Entertainment at the time. Courage Entertainment was the number two agency in Canada for okay. booking bands and stuff like that. And they really liked the job we did, and we were trustworthy, and we gave them their percentage and. And, and as well, they put on such a wicked tour for us that like it was happening places. Yeah. And they said, okay, well, if you want to make money doing this, uh, we uh, like we want you to do this. Uh, they weren't happy with the other groups. but They wanted us to go again, and they were quite excited about it. But they said, we have to go within three months. Okay. we got to go on tour for a month then we can't have more than two months as a break and go on tour again. So I said this to the band, okay, let's get ready to go. And yeah. then, you know, over half the band said they couldn't. And so I was like, oh. And I just was thinking, what, I'm going to have to work at a regular at a job? job. Yeah, yeah. Like after after <laughs> experiencing this, like, it was just amazing, you know. So then the, the Kingpins, they had an important show to do in Halifax, something that has to do with the university's okay. Coco or something it's called. And their singer couldn't make it. So they asked if I would just sing for them for this one show yeah. and they'd fly me there. So I did that. And I guess you just knew them from touring and stuff? With, uh, uh, I met them when we went through Montreal. Because okay. when we, yeah, because uh, I met them on our, on our first tour, really. Yeah. So... Um, we, uh, I met them there, and then the Kingpins, uh, someone in that band was the, uh, the bass player of that band was one of the owners of Stomp Records, right, one right. of the founders, right. so, so I knew him through that. So they asked me to do that, and I did, and then I came back here, and then they said, okay, we want to, we, we have a tour. Yeah. Uh, can you play guitar for us on tour? Now they didn't need me to sing, but they wanted me to play right. guitar. So I'm like, okay. Well, I was off for the summer, like from my job at yeah. the school. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go back there. So I said, okay. So I go on that tour. And then after that tour, there's, they said, you know, would you come and live here? Because we want to keep touring. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, you fill in good. I'm like... Well, okay, so I asked my group, you know, you, sh you know, can any of you guys get time off? But no one could really do it. And at the time, I couldn't just hire other musicians. Yeah. Because no one really, what we were doing sounded quite different from what people were used to playing in the city at the time. So it took me, I had to train yeah. people and, in order to, and so that would take a long time sometimes uh, to just, get someone ready in that fast to go on a, a, a one month tour would it be too hard so like okay I'm, I don't want to go back to work 
Well, I guess even then, a lot of people probably weren't even familiar with the type of music you're playing. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, I I don't want to go back to work. I don't want to, uh, but my band can't tour, so I'll go and tour with this band. My intention was to establish JFK over there again. Like you start a new band over there? Yeah, 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 like, because I didn't want to just go in the kingpins and be happy with that, I wanted to just use that as a way to get in the door further and stuff like that, but I find, found that, um, I found the same limitations there, actually, in fact, it was even worse there in a way, because at least the people who were in my band in Winnipeg knew that I was, like, knew that I had a vision and it wasn't accidental. In Montreal, they kind of treated it as if it was a fluke, and it's like, are you sure that that would work? Are you sure that would work? I'm like, yes, but I guess you're not. (laughs) And so I wouldn't get the cooperation that I would have liked, and I wasn't as assertive back then, so... Anyways, that that took a lot of time off uh, the conspiracy. Off of the regular conspiracy yeah. stuff, yeah. Well, I remember when I don't know how many times you came through with the Kingpins back in Winnipeg, but I think we opened for you at one of them, and uh, it, I remember how weird it seemed. <laughs> like, because you, you were doing JFK songs too as part of the set, and then like you're both the style you sing and the style of your old singer, but it's very, he's very kind of gruff and aggressive and totally different. Yeah, totally different. yeah. It was a weird. I mean, yeah. it worked, but it was yeah. strange. So eventually, you obviously ended up back here. Yeah, and then. It was probably a few more years, right, till the next album. Yeah, exactly. And then that's when you were on board by that point, I guess. Eh? Oh, I was on board before that. Yep. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He moved at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was still with uh, Rip, Rip David about that, but uh, yeah, because I mean, I'd, uh, I'd been here what maybe six months before you deked off to, to Montreal. <laughs> well, he. The thing is, when he. Okay. He, According to Aaron, he said that he needed a change yeah. from Banff, so he Winnipeg's as good as anything, and he, he has a band here to play. Yeah, yeah. So band yeah, but, but then by the time that like you know it takes time to put that into motion. Yeah, yeah. By the time that went into motion, well now my band doesn't want to tour, so or can't. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm out of here. So that, but the band played. For those two years without me here, anyways. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we we yeah, we tried to go uh, keep it a go as just the conspirators, and you know, we did like a few order shows and stuff, a couple of Raymar things, I think. But it was definitely never the same. I don't know if I ever went to any of those. Yeah, no, was, I don't think you missed anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was, you know, it was fun. It still kept, uh, still kept us with our chops. Yeah, well, the yeah, Raymar thing was happening for you guys pretty good, actually. Yeah, well, I think we just tagged on to that because we were we were doing every Thursday night when I first joined the band, and then I think we just sort of continued on with some of that after you left for a while. But but I was I always think of it that we just kept ourselves in, with, with good shops for when you got back. That I think there was it was seem, seem, seemingly seamless almost when you got back to sort of jump back in and get it started up. Yeah, again, I think yeah. yeah. So where I, where I think if we hadn't done that, then yeah, it would have been a little bit like, harder yeah, to get yeah. started up again. At what point did it transition to more of the kind of uh, like early dancehall sort of sound, like the? Uh uh, well, once I came back from Montreal, I felt by this time um, I was confident enough in my style yeah. 
to start doing reggae more. Yeah. So I didn't care. Like in Montreal, it was hard to convince people that this that this is the way to go. Yeah. For me, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, so when I came back here, I'm like, well, at least my band will play what I write or whatever. Yeah. And um, so. Uh, yeah, like as soon as I came back, I, I, even with the Kingpins, I was starting to get into more of that direction, uh, which some of them really liked. But then the one woman who was running the band at the time was kind of had a like, okay, the Planet Smashers had a big audience yeah. and they were a young audience yeah for sure yeah. and the kingpins wanted to tap into that and they felt that maybe my music's older yeah which th it isn't they didn't understand I said you know what these, some of these 14 year olds 15 yeah, year olds older, yeah. know more about music and have more obscure stuff than you can even yeah. imagine yeah and they you know so they're t I think they're totally misguided there but but they enlisted the help of some other songwriter and he's taken them into the direction of very popish, very popish, and very like thirteen-year-old yeah, yeah. type of. Well, that's vibe. where they ended up too, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah. and I was just like, I'm not having none of this. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it wasn't good. Though. No, I just like I'm out of here. I quit, and they wanted me to go on tour to Europe, but I was with them, and I'm like, I, will you at least do that? And I'm like, no, I don't want to be involved with this kind of yeah. image at all. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. That would have been what the Kingpin's third album, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever record anything with them? Two songs I did record on on their album with them, and uh, um, I don't know. I really enjoy that it goes a little something like this. I always thought that was a great track. Yeah, that's a good track. <laughs> That's never well, no, I I don't mind the two tracks, but I don't know.
one you can't resist. All right, you muffin, you know you like it. You got to jump and twist. supposed to be me as the lead singer oh the third one was yes and and i was supposed to but lorraine was a lead singer as well yeah, so it yeah. was supposed to she, there was supposed to be a design where like it would be the male and female right right lead singer right because she ended up being the lead singer yeah well okay so a, a few of the songs that, that the that this producer guy was helping them write uh included parts for her and me right but I think I managed to only agree to do one other song with her, maybe two, I forget. But I just hated the music so much, yeah. and, I'm, and I wished that I never, like... First of all, before this new direction came into play, yeah. was when there was... Oh yeah, we're going to make the King... I'm, I'm going to make an album with the Kingpins. Yeah. I don't mean I'm going to get... The, use them as for my purposes or nothing I would be collective or whatever but because the kingpins that I saw and first joined had more of a traditional style yeah definitely yeah. you know yeah. and, and even a, a 60s go-go thing going yeah, on yeah a few right? of the songs in the first couple albums yeah, yeah and I really liked that and I thought wow this is great but then all of a sudden you know their direction is going to be this weird stuff that I don't like at all but that was after it already kind of agreed to start recording with them yeah so I ended up agreeing to record two of my songs with them and I agreed to sing one of the songs that the guy had for me and yeah. Lorraine to sing and I I don't even I didn't like it then I don't like it now um it's just not my style. I didn't feel comfortable. So I was like, I'm out of here. I can't do this. I just can't do this. Yeah. Would you chalk that up to a bit of uh, Bobby Beaton getting out of the band at that point, too? He didn't get out of the band. <laughs> See, that I loved working with Bobby Beaton, and that's what I was hoping to write with him because I liked his 60s yeah he was kind of behind Stones chiller thriller style that's what what I meant that's what I was so happy that I'd be recording but next thing the the, the, whoever's managing the band decides that he can't be in the band anymore and now I'm going to yeah now I'm going to be 
Well, that's the guy I want to work with. Yeah. He's the writer. He he's has the sound that you like, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's got the sound, <coughs> and he's the guy who knows how to write songs yeah. that I like. So <coughs> that all fell apart, and, you know, I kind of, but I, uh, anyways, I, I still agreed to do a couple of things because I kind of felt bad that I was just going to leave him in a lurch. Yeah, now. yeah. I kind of wish I didn't do that. <laughs> but eventually you ended up back here. Yes. And then you guys did the other album on Bacteria Buffet. Yes. And I'm assuming that happened because Matt was in the band. Is that how that... Yes, out? yes. Uh, by this point, I didn't have any ambition anymore to do anything. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, Matt was having these shows at the West End. I guess they're Halloween shows. Halloween shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he uh, asked if we'd play in them, and then at first we played in them, and then he says, oh, okay, well, can you do... Uh, I'm starting up a record label. Can you do a record? And I'm like, oh, okay, because <laughs> well, I guess I'm not really doing anything else. So, so I'm doing this record, and then, then he wants us to go on tour. Yeah. So he books a little tour for us, and then the night before, my guitar player says that he thinks he had a heart attack, he can't oh, wow. go on tour. I mean, don't really believe him, he never really did at the time <laughs> either, but whatever, he couldn't go. So I go, well, Matt, we can't go on tour, I mean, how are we going to play without the guitar player? Yeah. And he's like, can't you get another guitar player? What the heck? I said, well, you play guitar. He goes, oh, fuck, I can't play stuff like that. I said, ah. I think there's no feel. And I said, you know, you kind of sound like Bobby Beaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of have that style, and I think you could do that. Oh, really? I mean, and it was the next day, and he said, well, if I think he can do it, he'll go. Yeah. And Because he didn't want to cancel the tour. So we did that, and took him a few days to get all the songs eventually. Yeah. But sometimes I was giving him instructions as we were on stage and everything, but... Uh, he worked out really good, and his guitar playing was really good. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Definitely kind of, like, it was noticeable. You recognized it as yeah. the part of the sound that you guys had. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. He knew how to fit right in. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, at that point, I guess you started using a lot more, um, like, established rhythms and stuff. Uh, I noticed, like, you know, all yeah. the songs that it was like, you know, here's, like, the, the diseases rhythm or whatever, or, real yes. or something, yes. and throwing those in. And then, um, so how did that work for you guys? Because, I mean, I, once you were up front and not on drums anymore, there was a lot more hand gestures, a lot more kind of directing the band, yeah. do stuff. How does that work from your end? Like, how, how did, I mean, because in the early, you know, the earlier stuff, it was, it, you never saw that happening. I don't know if yeah. you did that, but, I mean, right. is that... I would say it'd be within the practicing within close proximity of each other. Like yeah. We, we practiced and made that whole album in your bedroom at, on Arlington there. At, uh, and then practicing here in this small little space that we were always facing each other, looking at right. each other, keeping the uh, eye contacts. And, and uh, I think I just got used to um, uh, Dave's roll-ins and roll-outs and, and uh, that uh, uh, was able to keep one eye on him and one eye yeah. on, uh, on the trumpet player and just sort of uh, just got into that sort of rhythm of, uh, of repetitive uh, work, uh, practice workouts. Well, the, the other thing too is that um, uh, with those kind of rhythms, yeah. you know, like with the, when we were doing the mostly ska before, you know, you have your verse, you go into your course, yeah, yeah. and you, you know, it's arranged. Yeah. But 
I just wanted to use, I, I like using those Studio One rhythms, yeah. and I wanted it to be, implement the more sound system kind of situation, yeah, sure, where, yeah, the, yeah. where the, you can just drop in the music as if you're someone playing records, yeah, like a DJ, yeah. but use the band that way. Yeah. So I never used to want to have anything pre-arranged. Like, I'd have a basic structure yeah. that we'd follow to a certain point, but things could happen audibles could be called yeah, yeah parts could stay longer or parts i might go into bridges sooner or whatever uh so nothing and and so that just became a way to be able to do those things uh on the spot on stage but you know sound tight still yeah did it just kind of naturally evolve like that or was it planned out like okay we're going to just play this rhythm and i'm going to point at you and you're going to do this or was it just kind of like you were saying oh no it was i, I had it was pointed yeah, it, was it was like good. okay like, watch me because i might uh, i might do this first for four bars i might want to do it for 16 bars <laughs> yeah, yeah depending on what i'm rapping at the time or depending if so who's soloing at the time right, right. um so uh it, it became something that i told them watch because I'm going to, I could do, you know, I'll give you enough notice, but if you're not watching at all, then you're not going to see me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was, that was interesting to see on stage, for sure. And then, like, I mean, especially, you know, a few years later when we had the reggae festival going on, and there'd be, you know, the, all the headliners would just be, it would just be singers, they'd just come on, I mean, you guys were both in some of those bands, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that, there was a lot of that, there was a lot yeah. of just, like, here's the, here's the rhythm, and then you're going to, you know. Yeah, and a lot, and a lot of, the other thing is, too, is that, uh, sometimes you're learning so many like when those singers would come we'd yeah. have to learn 30 songs for them in two days yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you can't remember how long to play each bar right. and you have to be really tuned in to what they were going to do which was sort of my position in the situation yeah. I could read what those singers are going to do but the rest of the band would kind of watch me for the right. assurance because they might think the singer's going to do that, but they might not be sure. Whereas yeah. I'm like, I know he's going to do that, and if he doesn't, at least it's going to go a certain way, yeah. well, a you're different drums, direction. You're anchoring the whole thing anyway. Exactly, anchoring the whole thing. So they they watch me and rely on me for that. You know, that's cool. Yeah, those those need to see. I mean, it was neat to see. Uh, also, uh, you guys did. I don't know if it was a tour or just a few shows or what, but with King Django. Uh, I remember seeing the same thing. He was doing that with the conspirators as backing band, and that we have, so yeah, yeah, it was a cool thing. So, at what point did the last incarnation of the band kind of stop? Well, it stopped um, when okay, we our bass player he got interested in playing with this other group. And then he got interested in not and being a session player. Okay. So he'd take a lot of different shows from a lot of different groups. Just like uh, whoever, whoever. Yeah. Played. So his schedule became really nil, and so I'd start hiring people for last minute, like okay, just for two weeks. Or, yeah. You know, I got a show in two weeks. Can you play this show? But that was pretty stressful, and um, often that wasn't enough time for even even established musicians who normally could go in on a session and not yeah. really need to rehearse. Because of the feel of the yeah, music yeah. I'm doing, they couldn't do that. So 
they well, might if they had more. About now, just now too, like with the, yeah, exactly. No if they had maybe more time to get exposed or to get trained or something, maybe so. But you know, you'd have people that were like quite established in the session scene, and yeah. it's like, oh no, you try, you go. Well, sure, they know all the notes. Yeah. They can pick the notes up fast, but, I mean, it kind of sounds weak. So that became so stressful and such a headache that it just wasn't fun doing shows anymore. Do you think that's... I mean, a lot of people kind of have the misunderstanding of, of reggae as being simple, and they... Do you think it's that? I mean, people think, oh, it's just two chords for this amount of time. I can do that, no problem. But then it's more about feel than actual what's written on the page. Like, is that part of the problem people were having? Or? It is definitely the problem people were having because I had quite a few people say, like, okay, they'd start, I'd say, I want this beat. Yeah. So they'd only do that for half, you know, like not even 10 seconds, and then they'd be starting to put other things in oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, which would be fine. They could embellish it if they want, but the only problem, they weren't embellishing it the right way. They weren't using the actual feel. Yeah. And so I'd say, oh, you know, and so if they couldn't embellish the right way, because well, I don't mind if someone could freestyle. Yeah, yeah. If, it does, if, if it's within it's the right. pocket, yeah. 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 But if they couldn't, I'd say, oh, can you just stick to playing the simple quarter notes for now? Just, yeah. you can get to that stuff. And then I'd get these excuses like, well, I find that boring and this and that. Yeah. And... So one guy who told me that he wanted to play more challenging, well, what I really should have said, I said, look, you can't even get the feel. Yeah. So obviously it's, it is challenging and you can't do it. But I, I didn't think that fast. But often what I would say is, uh, okay, there's two types of musicians in this world. There's a type of musician that plays for other musicians. In other words, the things you're going to do, the licks you're going to throw in, and other musicians might like, get it. You know, yeah. think. I said, but the second type of musician plays to get women on the dance floor, and that's all that matters. Well, that's and, what you're yeah, and, and you're in the wrong boat if yeah. you think that this is boring. Yeah. Because it's not about you. Yeah. It's not about how much... If you're in the pocket, you'll have fun. If you're not in the pocket, you'll need to challenge yourself with all these weird things to have yeah. fun. But it's also an excuse for people not to learn by feel because one, as a person's learning an instrument, you know, maybe they could just handle one note, don't, 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 don't. But as soon as they can get that, they want to do the next note because that becomes boring. But they never stay on that one note for long enough until they can do it in their sleep. Right. and get all the different nuances of the way and pressure and phrase of yeah. what they can do one note with. Me, I was so into hypnotic music that I, I, maybe I was lazy to challenge myself with new fancy licks, but what it did do is get me uh, so into just one thing at a time like it's like a tree you know it doesn't grow it grows doesn't come out of the ground with a bunch of branches it has yeah. a trunk so anyways um another thing i think might have to do with well i used to have this analogy say if you smoke say you were going to practice for 20 minutes yeah. and you didn't have any pot yeah you might play five or six or more different drum beats and work on five or six different things but if you had a joint 
you might find that, oh, I've been doing the same thing for 20 minutes. <laughs> but that's where the real practice is. Right, because you've just been, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, and, and people that need, that use that challenge, oh, I need to be challenged as an excuse, that is because they're playing music with their brains, not their yeah, hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because the other thing is about feel, it's, it's not thinking, it's not. In the basement, enough parties. Sometimes I hold the mic and touch them slightly. Enough, brother, they come and encourage me. Let's say, Papa D, you are wicked MC. You flash it in the category. Cause when I hold the mic, I rap properly. Cause we with the crew have the musical degree. And we take it all over this country. The people just shout and ball out for we. The whole are we a family. The whole are we a family. Everyone in a society.
That's not a pretty good uh, description of what reggae is, I think. Yeah. I, I've known tons of people over the years who, you know, especially when I was in ska bands in the late 90s and stuff, like, they were amazing at whatever instrument they were playing, and, you know, they could, like, shred or something, and then it's yeah. like, hey, can you play this rhythm guitar? And it they sound work. weak. Yeah, it's like, I how know. do you, how, I mean, I, I can barely play the thing, and at least I can do the rhythm right, but I can't get, you know, and then some guy who's, you know, playing with his teeth, like, can't play, yeah. It's exactly, weird. it's baffling, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's baffling that that even exists, but that's actually the majority. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty strange. <laughs> yeah. So, after it was, I mean, after the kind of things sort of fizzled out, I mean, is there always kind of a, a hope in your mind that like, oh, one day this is going to be a thing again, or are you were you kind of done with it, or, or what? Uh... Um, well, I'm I the live music often distracts me from recording, right? And recording to me, I mean, it's fun, and I could lose myself in it for hours, but at the same time especially when I was beginning to produce, often it was just so tediously frustrating that I would avoid doing it. And then having a band with loading equipment and having, you know, when you record it, for me, I like to need everything. Well, now I can just do it on the computer. Need everything set up so that I don't move it because once I move it, I'm not going to go on it the next day. It's going to take me three weeks to put it back together again. So... I really am into producing more now, so I don't like your own stuff or other people's stuff or what. Uh, my own stuff. Your own stuff. My own stuff. Yeah. Like bef- even though I did those two records, yeah. I kind of produced it with the people in the studio and engineered with, but it's not the same as me being a total producer. Right. Um, but now. Uh, yeah, I'm into like I'm into music still, and I'm into performing too. But I like as far as a live band goes, uh, I don't have much uh, ambition towards that. A because like well, I'm just into the, I'm into recording a lot now. But and I do get my thrills DJing yeah, yeah. as well. Because I get to DJ my own productions as, as well. Oh, that's um, cool, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I just don't want to have a situation. Uh, like I say, I don't want to play drums and sing. I want to just have a drum. I just want it to be easy, and I want to yeah. go on a microphone, and I want to have people behind me that know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's it's uh, unless that happens. I really, and I'm not exactly working to make that happen because I had for so many years yeah. and never really any luck with, especially the drummer's the main thing, actually. Unless I find a drummer with a good feel, basically, to make a long story short, I have no desire. It's not going to happen yet. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll probably play the odd time here and there, like yeah. it happens, but there's no, there's plans to record music that I would do with the band. Oh, yeah. And um, should that go anywhere and, and any record companies say, like, well, would you perform this live? And I go, well, if you've got the money for me to find the best, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, then I would so that I don't have to do so much work about it. Yeah. Then yes. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it through the route of, of trying to have a band. I'll do it through the route of 
producing things yeah. first and then see where that goes from there. Well, I guess it was about 10 years between the records they were coming up about due for another one. I know. <laughs> I know. So, it, it, I mean, like, you're still doing your show, your radio show, right? I mean, are you, do you have any, uh, like, are you playing with anyone right now or um, any ambition to? Continue? No, I, I've done a, a little bit of side work. I, I, did, I just did a couple of shows with uh, the Novel Arrow guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you've done stuff with them for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah. I did some work on their second album. So, I, yeah, I, I've, I've played the... Uh, Probably maybe ten shows with them, a couple shows of duo tangs over the years. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I've done a little bit of that, but uh, it, in my opinion, not nearly as much as I would like to. Uh, I think uh, um, I, I do seriously miss being on stage in that sense, playing the trombone. Yeah. Not just playing the trombone, but just play, being on stage, playing music. Um, and luckily, I've been, uh, uh, I've had some great musicians uh, to, to play along with over the years. So I've. I, I do dearly miss it. Yeah. Um, I am trying to talk to Dave every other day on the phone. It seems to try and get to try and get this me show together. <laughs> Just uh, uh, well, it sounds like a fun idea. I mean, we're going to be uh, hopefully uh, playing for uh, Greg Crow's 40th birthday well, nice. party. Yeah, he wants to pull together us and uh, Farrell Brothers and uh, his band, I guess, Scarlet Union. That's awesome. Sort of for an almost like an old. Uh, Scalloween sort of line, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a feel to it or something, something. But um, that, that that would that would blow my mind to to, to do another gig. It's been, it's been a long time. I think the last one we did was that spy one, was it not? At Just Jazz, maybe. It wasn't really the conspirators though, really, was it? It was more of a. So it was, it was all uh, that high been years ago, right? Playing uh, spy themes. Oh, 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 at, uh, yeah, yeah. That was kind of fun. Jazz and Portage, yeah. and well, you know, but this is another thing. Okay, so that would have been fun. Yeah. But again, now I need a bass player and a guitar player. I decided, okay, I couldn't find a drummer. I guess I'll drum for this one. But then, the, 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 okay, I get these two guys to play. The guitar player's fairly good, but he's really irresponsible and kind of avoids coming to practice until the last minute and then thinks he's a hot shot. Oh, I can handle all this. But then, you know, at an important part on stage, he's totally like, oh. And it's like, well, that's your part that you're supposed to play. Now it's fucking dead air. Uh, and then the bass player there, who I hired, did well on the ska, but unfortunately we we're doing the spy theme because yeah. a lot of the spy theme stuff is in ska, but we were going to throw in a reggae number here, but he just couldn't, he just didn't sound right. Well, it's the same thing we were just talking about, right? Yeah. So, just so I'm like, okay, well, we didn't do that song or whatever songs we wanted to do, but... It, it made me think, like, well... Because those guys are interested to play session work for me at any time, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking, after that, like... Okay, one guy says he's going to be there when he's not. The other guy can't really do the style I like. I mean, it's just, it's just too hard. Every show is just too much for me to worry about and think about. Uh, when all I want to do is just go and grab a microphone and sing. Yeah. And yeah. MC. Yeah. What do you guys think the, uh, I mean, uh, not just this show here, but a lot of people, it seems lately, are, are kind of looking back on Winnipeg music history as all kinds of, you know, like, magazines doing retrospectives and stuff, people's radio shows, people archiving stuff. Like, what do you think the place of J.P. and the Conspirators is in Winnipeg's music history? Like, where do you, 
I mean, do you think it's, <laughs> do you think it's significant? I think it's non-existent. Do you think people care or are going to care? No. About it? No, you think it's just this thing that happened? And Yes, yeah. yes. I think the people that were there that saw the shows. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that from a music aficionado's point of right, view right. or these people that write for Uptown or this yeah. and that, I don't think we mattered at all. Anyway. <laughs> just a couple of albums floating around there. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Movie. Well, I guess you had that that split EP too, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is that no? Is that because of like the the music snobbery of, of, of the the musician musicians in this town versus the the avant garde way that we went about things? Well, that's not even what I mean. I mean, I, I think that people are kind of, uh, and maybe it is. I mean, Uptown doesn't really exist as Uptown anymore. But people are kind of. Uh, like younger people are sort of doing this retro, not maybe not retro, but like you know, kind of nostalgic sort of look back a lot of Winnipeg bands. And you're seeing a lot of them reunite and stuff, and, and playing you know reunion shows. I mean, like just uh, a few months ago, there was a Peanuts and Corn label. They you know Farm Fresh got back together, all these bands, and it was a big like hey mid '90s, late '90s nostalgia fest for local rap and and all kinds of stuff like that. So I mean, do you think that anyone gives a shit? <laughs> you know, I I don't. I I mean. That's the thing. Like, if I was gonna have a, if I was gonna start up the group again, yeah. I would not rely on my past accolades or history right. because I don't think that, that would fill the place. Uh, um, I would just start warming up a group that is popular yeah. and make a name for myself again. Just start over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that uh, we registered that way. Like, but it's weird. Like, I don't mean to say that we didn't have any significance in, like, meant, like as far as what I feel. Yeah, but, yeah. but as, but as far as for anyone to care or remember, I don't think there's anything to latch on there much. But, uh, but one example is we played this one show with this really popular group, Propagandi. Yeah, I was at that show at the Rendezvous. Yes. Yeah. And. Propagandi, like after we played, Propagandi, like no, not very many people were dancing. It wasn't even that good. But when we played, it was total captivation. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. The the dance floor looked like a cell, like it was actually moving. People somehow going in circle, yeah. like it was really wild. It had total hypnotic captivation. Does the rocking races? Yes. Yeah. Yet the days after the show. If you're just the average person, that propaganda was awesome. Yeah, probably because that's the, what they think they're supposed to say. Like, not many people. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's. I don't know why that wouldn't register with people. Yeah. You know, but it's probably just because that's their little scene that they want to fit in with, so they got to stay true to that kind of thing. That's interesting because that show has come up on this radio show a lot. <laughs> because, oh yeah. I mean, we've had people from Propaganda, and we've people from some of the other bands yeah. that played, and yeah, just for some reason, there are a lot of people remember that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think people are remembering Propaganda as that was the show, and then yeah. all these other bands that played. I mean, you guys played like uh, Farm Fresh was at that show, Mood yeah. Rough, and Muff Action, like all these bands, and yeah, I think that people forget all the uh, all the openers. But yeah, yeah, I remember there being a big crowd for you guys. Yeah, it was it was. Uh... So we definitely we definitely had the crowd. Uh, does that footage still exist? I don't know. Maybe somewhere. Oh, somebody filmed it. Yeah, and I had it for a while, but I don't know if I have it anymore. It's in VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool to see. If it 
Yeah. Things this, yeah. Yeah. If you ever find it, let me know. I'll digitize it. I mean, people were crowd surfing and everything. Yeah. And uh, there really wasn't a huge dance floor until we did play. The other groups did all right. But but then the energy would then... Yeah, I, I don't know why... Uh, I guess that's just the thing to say. Yeah, I wouldn't rely on 
what I did yeah. in the past. Yeah. Well, especially, I guess, the crowds are younger, too, right now. I mean, they're yeah. not going to... Exactly. Not necessarily going to be anyone who's around when you guys are. Exactly. You guys are That's around. another thing too. And all the older people have families, or they're they moved away from Winnipeg, or whatever. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was another factor too. When we came around, it was a lot of us had kids at that yeah. after that second album. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I'm not the band Yeah, Henderson <laughs> and myself and yeah, yeah. And uh, Paul, the piano, uh, the yeah, piano yeah, player. Yeah. So now you're old and, <laughs> and the crowd's oh, young. You are already old. old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that's cool. I mean, I, hopefully people will, will check it out uh, if you do have a show in the springtime. Is there anywhere at this point if someone, you know, because we have a pretty weird audience for this because, you know, one, mm-hmm. one week we'll have a rapper on, we'll have a guy in a metal band, we'll have you guys. Like, is there, if someone wants to find your music and has never heard of you before and is interested because of this, is there anywhere they can go online or anything? But <laughs> well, you know what? Up? There is. And um, but I'm gonna have to load more songs because I haven't. I've just been finishing things now. Um, actually, I have on SoundCloud. I have tracks that are private tracks okay. that I. But I think I'll just make them public now because it's taking me forever to know what I'm gonna do with them. Yeah. I, I was gonna look for releases for them first, but that seems I keep putting that off. So I keep working on them. So I think I'll just take them off private okay. so that the public can hear them. So where's the, what's the address? Um, it's Ultimate Selector on SoundCloud. Okay. So. Is that all unheard stuff or is it all older stuff? or what? Uh, it's unheard stuff. Oh, I cool. have, well, right now if they went there, they wouldn't hear, they wouldn't see any reggae tracks. If it's today during this interview, but right. by It'll tomorrow, be a few weeks by the time this comes out, okay, yeah, by then there will be one, two, three, four, five new reggae tracks awesome. that no one's ever heard. Awesome. from me. And was it just you yourself playing everything, or yeah, yeah, cool. Well, right, playing it, it well, it's like <clears throat> some of it's me playing everything, some of it's samples yeah. and loops with me adding things to it. Oh, cool. Some of it's samples and loops that are so chopped up, made into something totally different. Um, one, one, the last, uh, I wrote a reggae track, actually there was this bush party two years ago that I was involved with called Burning Manitoba. Okay. I heard about that. (coughs) So I wrote a song, I wrote a reggae piece or I produced a reggae number called Burning Manitoba for that situation. That, that actually is on the ultimate selector SoundCloud. That's a public track right now. So. There at least be one there if I don't yeah. get to the others in three yeah, yeah. weeks. Yeah, but well, it starts out as Devo. Yeah, yeah. He gave it away already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because uh, you know people who hear it, they're like, "What? Yeah, yeah. This is just a Devo track." And then, <laughs> but it turns into deep dark reggae dub. Cool, cool. From that track. Cool. Well, we'll throw that on the end of the show here. So oh, okay, excellent, cool. excellent. And then. Uh, you're still doing your show, your radio show. Why can people hear that? Yep, uh, Fridays three to five on uh, 101.5 UMFM. Um, I've, I've changed my format a bit over this last. I don't know. It's been six months now. I used to do an hour of, of mod rock and then an hour of ska and reggae. Yeah, yeah. But now I do. Now I mix it all up, so it's a little more indicative as to what I would do uh, for one of my own DJ live sets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a it's a complete mix of, of of all the genres that I like. So it's I, I try to do not more than two songs of any type of genre before I jump into something else. But I, I somehow am able to blend it in nicely to to make it flow. It's reasonably well. Cool, cool. If I'm on my game that day. 
And that's like an extremely long-running show. Uh, that because you talked about last Yeah, time. geez, I'm, I'm, I think, 12 years now. So I'm, I'm one of the more, one of the more longer-running shows. Oh, thanks. Yeah, one of the more running, long-running shows in that station. Um, I got a bunch of uh, live sets coming up, uh, which I haven't done too much DJing lately. But uh, February. Uh, 13th, I'm uh, spinning at Shannon's for uh, in between sets for a band called the Stiff Bishops okay. at Shannon's. Uh, February 15th, uh, we're doing a mod club uh, theme, a mod club theme dance party at the uh, Goodwill okay. uh, Social Club. Yeah, yeah. That's a Sunday night, but the Monday is a holiday, so that's oh, the nice. real day, right? The yeah. real day is nice. And then uh, for your Scon Reggae fans, I'm doing a two-tone Scon Reggae night at the Yellow Dog. Yeah, yeah, so that. March 7th. Yeah. That's a nice Saturday night. Love the Yellow Dog. That's sort of my local. And I uh, love supporting that place. And so it's just more of a f- uh, fun Saturday night just going and playing some great background music. Yeah, it's not well, really people are sitting there great dance party. Yeah. But then we get a little bit of dancing, but it's... Well, the dance floor is like the size of a postage stamp. Yeah, yeah, it's about the size of a quarter. Yeah. So it's uh, it's more about like just providing some cool vibes for, for people that had to drink their beers by good food that place, too. Cool. Uh, we got a uh, guest uh, DJ by the name of The Madman. And uh, our good friend Daryl Riley is uh, yeah. going to come spinning uh, nice. with, with us that night. It's his uh, de facto uh, birthday party. Cool, cool. We, we dubbed him the doctor. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Daryl's been on the show a couple times, actually. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah so the doctor has got some, uh, got a prescription <laughs> yeah, for your reggae remedy. Cool, yeah. cool. Do you have any, any live stuff happening? Or? Oh, sorry, did you have a... Uh, no, that's it for my live stuff. Yeah. Live stuff? Oh, like my DJ set yeah, right now? Yeah, back to house. I have this thing, a uh, 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 regular recurring thing at the pyramid. Um, I uh, okay when I was playing in when I had the bands. Yeah, I always liked house music and techno music. Okay. And when I first learned to play the drums, I actually learned from a, re- a group called Prince Charles from London. Okay. And uh, they sang. It was a funk band. They sing something like I don't know songs like Big Breast, Big Breasted Girls, Big Breast. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> stuff like that or Money Cash, Money Cash. But but they weren't like they weren't like James Brown funk or like or like breakbeat funk. The, their beat was just basically. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I just like would, and basically that's a house beat, and yeah. that's where I always, and this was, you know, this is like early 80s, like 82 or something, so this is when I'm jamming on this, and, and, uh, so I've always loved that house beat, but when I was in, but as a performer, you know, I was doing the live band thing, and I kind of always try to incorporate others, like, music besides just reggae and ska and like yeah. we we did have a fu- couple funk numbers but they were harder for me to do if I was playing drums like than the other stuff or? yeah so I, there was a lot of stuff that I couldn't do that I wanted to do that would have taken me in other directions because I always had a goal to take the band in, in other directions uh, genre wise yeah, yeah. too but I never really could because of limitations but anyways um, but back when I was playing in life the house and techno thing was pretty big, so we I could go and get my fix and 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 get that music into my system 
often when we'd be on tour and we'd have a night off, I'd be like, oh, let's go to this bar, this bar, yeah. they're going to play this. And so when the live band things started dying down after I moved back from Montreal, I go to try and see house or techno artists or DJs, and I'm like, I'd go somewhere and I'm like, oh, you know, a song would make me feel like dancing, and then the yeah. next song would be like, oh, what happened? Oh, that's it? And like, everyone has seen, like, a lot of the, as far as techno and house goes, not that much was making me feel like dance. Now, a, that's because there was less house and tech people doing techno, but you know there still were people doing that. But at the time, but techno and house became a bad word, and people were really heavy into dubstep and drum and bass. Which I like the original drum and bass. Yeah, yeah. I never liked dubstep though, but I was into the original dump, drum and bass. I, I shouldn't say I don't like dubstep. Uh, there's oh, there's some dubstep numbers I do like, but generally. It, yeah, yeah. But um, um, but anyways, I found that I couldn't go out and get my house and techno fix. So I just started collecting music at home. And then I'm thinking, well, now I got this music. I should just try and do this. Yeah. So I made a few parties. I met some people who wanted to do some parties. And the first few parties I threw these other people weren't DJs, so I DJed at them. But that group kind of went here and there. People moved and stuff like that. But it gave me enough confidence, and those parties were successful. Yeah. So it gave me enough of a thing, well, maybe if I try and do this, something. Anyways, eventually the Pyramid hired me to do Back to House, and I play uh, House and Techno there as cool. a DJ. But also, since then, that's another thing. I record as much house and techno now as I do reggae. Okay. So. okay. And that's Thursdays, you said? Or? Uh, that's Fridays, Friday. but it's not every Friday. Okay. Uh, and, um, but I get to, that's, but I, I actually play quite often, like other people's shows too and stuff like cool. that. So that's been going really good. Cool. And that's Dave Raj? Is that yeah. the music? Yeah. Yeah. We're creative name. <laughs> well, that came, that kind of came from Matt Henderson. Oh yeah? Well, I was riding my 10 speed by where he lives, um, just riding by the river, but my handlebars were turned upside down. And so he, I ran into him a while later and he's like, oh, was that you driving by Windermere or whatever? And I'm like, with your 10 speed? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, that's rad. Cause I had my handlebars upside <laughs> yeah. down. I'm like, Dave Rod. <laughs> Oh, right on. So he, he kind of made me think of that. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, well, if people want to hear more episodes of this show, they go to witchpolice.com. Uh, you click on podcasts. There's the previous 100 and whatever episodes are all there for free download and streaming. Uh, we also air on UMFM on Monday nights at 11, and you can go to umfm.com to hear those while they're uh, streaming. Uh, we're also part of the Garbage Hill Podcast Network, which is a way to uh, kind of like a hub for local podcasts. It's not only music stuff. It's There's a comic book show. There's a... Uh, all kinds of, I mean, there's there's big pop culture shows, there's a comic show, there's a new one that just got added, I think it's just a guy doing interviews one-on-one -on -one with local, interesting local people, it's, so it, it's constantly growing, so it's garbagehillnetwork.com, and you go there and you can find... Garbage Hill what? Network. Network.com. Network okay. And it's just, yeah, it's just like a, hopefully it's going to continue growing, we get more and more people doing this, because I mean, like, you know, I just brought this little recorder to your place, mm -hmm. and we made a radio show, so I mean, yeah. uh, 
I, I really encourage more people to do it because it's, it's yeah. fun. And so, yeah, we if you go there, you can kind of find links to all these different shows and people doing DIY radio and stuff. So that's a good way to, to check out our show. And we're also all over social media and Facebook and Twitter and all that shit. But you can find all the links from wishblues.com and uh, go from there. So. Excellent. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks well, for thank you. Thanks for, for asking me questions about Yeah, this. yeah, no problem. <laughs>